Welcome to LilyPod episode 31, Brightness of Hope with Graciela Moore. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Today we have Graciela Moore with us. She is originally from Puerto Rico, now living in the United States. In November of 2020, she married her husband and officially became the stepmom of five children. And she was baptized as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints the next day. Since then, she has taken life coach training and gotten her certification through Journey Coaching, Coaching Intensive. The focus of her practice as a personal coach is on mindfulness, confidence, and hope. She has a solid testimony of her calling to inspire and encourage hope, which is our topic today. Welcome, Graciela. Hi, thank you so much for having me. How are you? We're good. Good. We're so excited to have you on our podcast, LilyPod. Yeah, and it has been great for us to get to know you as we prepared for this. So, Yes, it's been wonderful to connect. I appreciate it. Yeah, and we first met actually through Instagram, and you have a page there called Song of Myself. And I would love to know why you called your coaching practice Song of Myself. So uh, it first started a long time ago. I opened Instagram when it first came out, and it was available just for students, or you had to have Facebook or something like that. So I've been on it for like 10 years already, and I'm a literature major. So I'm a total geek <laughs> and um, I just fell in love with Walt Whitman and really other American poets. Um, what university was that? Or I, went, I went to the University of Puerto Rico at Mayaguez. So yeah, cool. there's different campuses. Yeah, uh, English major, literature and film. And uh, yeah, Walt Whitman just leaves of grass. That's the you know, his whole life's work and that poem, Song of Myself, just stuck with me. Um, I come from a musical household and we all sing. Um, you know, I probably sing more to my child than I talk to him <laughs> for real. And so it just, it, it, it wasn't just about the singing, but it just really touched me and, and just stuck with me. So years later, um, considering branding and launching a business as a life coach and looking back at my whole life and this journey, right, that brought me to my testimony, my baptism, even right now to have this conversation, looking at all of it, um, the poem was, was, you know, just always there in the back of my mind. So when it came to figuring out what to call my practice, Song of Myself Coaching just, just clicked and it made sense. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for clearing up that question I've had for a while since we <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, why did you um, feel so strongly about focusing on hope? 
So it, I wasn't focused on hope at all. Not that I knew of. It's been really interesting. Um, it's fairly recent development, right? Yes, yes. So I got baptized in November, right? And before getting baptized, I was an investigator for almost five years. So already had a testimony, already uh, ministered, already built relationships, uh, you know, five years investigating in the same ward. So, you know, I was always like the teacher's pet, just showing up everywhere, even though I wasn't baptized, all the Relief Society activities, everybody knows who I am. And so I couldn't give a talk, right? Because I wasn't a member, I wasn't baptized. And so I get baptized in November and the missionaries who have always been, you know, in and out of my home, um, they kept telling me, Graciela, if you want to give a talk, just go ahead and tell the bishop. Just tell the bishop that you want to give a talk and he will pick a Sunday and there it is. And I kept saying, no, when the spirit is ready, I will be called to talk about something and, and then I will know. And for months and months and months, I just didn't bring it up. I just kept praying and waiting and knowing that it was going to happen and feeling so strongly that I wasn't just going to be given, oh, it's a free topic. Just talk about whatever you want. No, I knew I was going to be called to talk about something when the spirit was ready, when the spirit decided. And so I never brought it up. And then that call came one Sunday. Oh, Sister Moore, we want you to give a talk next week. Oh, that's great. Sure. What do you want me to talk about? Well, we want you to talk about hope in Christ. <laughs> I mean, mind blown. Let me figure out how to put an entire testimony in the context of hope. And that's where it started. Wow. Um, you know, I just felt to... chills all over my body. Yeah. Like, that must have felt amazing to you to get this thing that happened that you knew was happening. Uh, oh, my gosh. And the spirit. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I sat down, um, I had a week, I don't know if other people get more time, but I was only given a week. And so, um, looked through journaling and, and, uh, looked through com recent come follow me chapters and just, you know, what am I going to talk about? What about life coaching? And so I did my talk and that was amazing. Um, and then I just couldn't let it go. Revelation after revelation. What about this? What about that? And, and so a four week workshop ended up coming out and it's really just me, really just me listening and following, you know, promptings of the spirit. Yeah. And you call it your hope series, right? Well, I mean, this one has to do with Instagram too. So I did my talk and that same Sunday. I, I send out a story that says, you know, today was amazing. I feel so blessed. That talk was super cool. Should I do a hope series? And then I put a poll and I'm like, you know, yes or no for people to vote. And of course they voted yes. And I'm like, oh, great. So now how, what does this look like? Um, I have no idea what this is going to look like. I still don't really, but so far it's a four week workshop to accomplish a perfect brightness of hope. So I'm super excited. Wonderful. And we're so excited to talk about that today. Um, so as a first time mom uh, married to a previously divorced man um, and with you having never been married before and getting married a little bit later in life, 
Why do you think it's important for mid-singles in particular to develop hope? I think it's important for anyone, right? Uh, but mid-singles in particular, because there is that eagerness and that wanting and longing to be in a relationship to, you know, have a witness, have a partner, have a family, uh, you know, just fulfill destiny and, and whatnot, right? Um, yet the clock is ticking, right? And so, I mean- Vulnerable to despair in that situation, maybe? I'm sorry, what? So, so a person in that situation where that clock is ticking, like you said, may be uniquely vulnerable to feeling disappointed or despair. Right, that's right. And, and the impatience mm. of, of sitting and watching lives and, and stories take place while you are being called to wait and while you have to just look at the bigger picture and have faith and, you know, patiently wait for blessings to come, well, then hope, hope is essential. Um, you know, I, I didn't get married until I was 35. We, we could talk about being mid singles all day long, right? Um, because it is, it is, it is hard. Um, really, especially in a, in a, in a church gospel and culture where families are developing all around us, you know, in, in just our circles. So right. hope is essential. Yeah. Well, and even though we now know that a majority of adult members of our church are, uh, are single and for, you know, one, and of course they're of all ages, but um, it just means there are a lot more of us than we realize. And I think that it's still, like you said, because it, the gospel emphasizes the importance of families, it's just what we see more, even though really we're not alone. We're, you know, there's many of us that have less traditional family uh, dynamics, like blended families and, and getting married later in life. And, um, and so I really appreciate that you said, and we agree, everybody can develop more hope for the future in their life. Um, but for mid singles, it's essential. I love that word that you used essential. Yeah, that's, that's great. So well, let's dive in. Yep. Um, okay, so your online hope series, um, from a coaching perspective, your first week is about the neuroscience of hope. And we would love for you to tell us about the neuroscience um, in the human brain uh, for creating hope. So all that I discovered, because really this is just me doing research, right? Uh, I'm not a neuroscientist and I'm not an expert on the brain at all. And I'm not a psychologist either. So I just want to, you know, throw that out there. Uh, I'm just curious and love the internet, right? <laughs> you know, use it to our advantage. Um, so it happens right here in between, right. in between the eyes behind the skull uh, in the prefrontal vortex, which is the youngest part of the brain, my toddler has no prefrontal vortex, uh, cortex, sorry, uh, essentially. So it, it, what's developed in it is reasoning, feelings, um, you know, just thoughts and, and how we see the world. It's really just made sense of right there in the prefrontal cortex. So is it just when you look here at it, or up here too? It's right behind, right behind the skull, just right here. When, you know, in Hinduism, they put a red dot on their forehead. 
Yeah. And, right. and in some, right. And they call it the third eye, which I think it's just fascinating. And, you know, all I know is that my brain is there. Yeah. And, uh, well, and in chakras, I, and that, that's your sense of intuition is right here as well. Right. Right. And so that's where hope, that's what lights up when, when you look at a picture or you think of someone or just you exercise hope the same way you would, you would exercise faith. That's what lights up. Right. And so really the whole, what happens with the brain is, which is what, what we discuss on week three, which is the habits of it. What we do, what we say, what we continually do day by day shapes how our brain functions and, and how our thought patterns develop. And so, you know, you can't really just understand the concept of hope and how to hold on to it without understanding how to help your brain um, just move you in the right direction towards, you know, hope. And it's not just about hope, it's also for faith and really just a life of, you know, positivity and fulfillment and joy, which we, you know, we're all called to joy, right? Right, exactly. We are called to joy and hope is part of that for sure. Um, Jeff and I actually got certified as life coaches this year too. Um, and, and we did it through the Foundation for Family Life. And it, it's been an interesting journey to examine our thoughts more and to teach more about uh, thoughts and how they're off, you know, that we can choose which ones to focus on. And we might not choose everything that pops into our head, but ultimately we are responsible for the ones we choose to focus on. And, um, and in, yeah, and then our last podcast, uh, we actually talked about uh, how we are naturally inclined as humans, I think, to be negative because we're not really we're, we're we're meant for survival i mean the like the primitive human brain is meant for survival um but it's always looking for what's wrong in other words to protect us from it right and and uh, of course mid singles do that a lot especially if they've been hurt in the past by relationships um and so uh, you know we have a choice to instead focus on building joy and hope and um, focus on the good in our life, which and I know we'll dive into this deeper, but um, I like, I, I appreciate that you don't feel that you can really disconnect hope from brain patterns and what we're choosing mm -hmm. to think and focus on and say and do every day. Right. So how, yes. would, you, how would you explain that, Graciela, um, in terms of, I mean, I realize you can't give us your whole course on this episode, but give us an idea of how we can, you know, how people can manage that frontal cortex better to create more hope? Yes, that's a great question. And what, what you just said uh, is particularly interesting for individuals who have undergone specific trauma because, mm -hmm. because their fight or flight, right? That alarm from the amygdala is more on point in you know in those people because of the triggers oh, that then yes. you know create a reaction right so for anyone who's experienced trauma and please you know do your due diligence and and research the kind of trauma that you've had you know car accidents are an example of that trauma with a capital t okay well that applies to me and my life right so you know it's what I'm saying is someone who has experienced 
capital T trauma needs to focus on those habits and on focusing on those positive, you know, the positive psychology of it all more than someone who may have experienced trauma with a, you know, little T who is probably more already drawn towards positivity, optimism, mindfulness, and all that comes with it, right? So to answer your question, how can we, you know, just consciously encourage that prefrontal cortex, right? That's kind of what your question was, right? Yeah, yeah, am I on the right track? Okay, yeah, so it's really all about, um, okay, so I, I, I have a post about this on my Instagram, uh, and I learned it from our CEO, Noel Cordo. It's really just like vegetables. We're supposed to eat them every day, right? At least right. an apple, at least an apple a day uh, mm-hmm. or a smoothie or a green drink or whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, at least have a banana. And so with positive psychology and, and creating positive habits, um, it's really a day by day thing. And what could take me 30 days to master could take you 60 days or 90 days. And so individualism is very important. And it's, it's really just like the gospel because we are all just, you know, one son or daughter of God and we all have a plan and we all have a testimony and we all have a path. And so with life coaching and, and with hope and, and just training your, your brain is really all about what works for you and your family, and just making sure that, you know, do no harm is super important for yourself and others. And, and just making sure that you are on the, at least the mindset to want to try to do those things every day until you're finally doing them. And until you finally reach a point where it's like, I have a solid foundation of positive, of positivity, if nothing else. So so if I can, I want to be fair to what you're saying, but you're talking about intentionality in setting forth a program or plan that every day I'm going to do X, Y, and Z uh, to affirmatively attempt to build more hope in myself. Is that? That's right. Okay. And you said do no harm. And as we've been doing thought work, uh, as we've been doing it with ourselves and with our, our clients and Lily coaching, we uh, are aware that sometimes when we become more aware of our own thoughts, we can get down on ourselves. We can get frustrated with what we've created in life that hasn't served us. And I think that is where we can do harm if we don't combine that awareness with grace, with compassion, with self understanding. Um, and uh, so I appreciate that you brought up do no harm because this thought, this, this thought work can be really beneficial um, as long as it's done in a way that is self-loving. If Correct, could, yes. If I could ask you something else too on, on the same subject, um, a, a, as a background to it, I, I would like to just sort of say that when I first started dating in the mid single world, I thought, I'm not going to go 10 within 10 feet of somebody who has trauma issues. And I found out (laughs) after dating, (laughs) they've all got trauma issues, even me. And, and uh, I mean, literally every mid single has triggers and, you know, at least everyone I've ever met has triggers and things that 
you know, put them into that fight or flight uh, that really are pretty innocuous things. And I mean, Kathy does too. Uh, but it, it's funny. I mean, the other night we had a, a moment when she was in a fight, or, a fight or flight thing and I recognized it and she recognized it. And uh, because we understood what was happening, it was easier for me to say to her, what are you afraid of? You know, uh, put my arms around her and, and say, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to be a big, a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she recognizes because we've been doing a lot of this thought work that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in fight or flight right now. I've got trauma over this issue. Well, and I could even say, I know this doesn't make sense, but this is how I'm feeling right now. And then she was feeling that way for about five or 10 minutes rather than for hours, hours or, or days. days. Yeah. Um, and I think if, if we don't recognize it when it comes up, then it's harder to move through it. It's easier to drill down and get stuck there. Mm -hmm. yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about the little T, big T trauma? Because I was like hoping to maybe clarify that. I guess that was kind yeah, of the sure. next question on that is, a lot of the traumas that mid-singles go through, they don't recognize as trauma because they weren't in a really bad car accident or they didn't have a spouse that beat them up. But it could actually or, be PTSD that's accumulated little things over time. Right. So right. you can talk to us anyway about varying degrees of trauma and, and how to address that. So all I know from really just the journey community, right? And there's therapists, there's licensed therapists in it, uh, and, and then coaches from all different types of uh, backgrounds. So I come from the sales background, right? From real estate. Um, there's other coaches that were therapists before, teachers, whatever, right? So I just want to make sure that we understand that I'm not a therapist <laughs> and that all I know about trauma is from the journey community, right? But um, I do know one thing from the psychology association, um, the big T, right, which is really this has just been determined just in conversation. Um, so the big T would be grief. So you lost a loved one, right? Someone close to you uh, who is no longer with us, not just lost like you broke up. Um, car accidents. And then I honestly cannot remember the other two, but there's four. And then every other, you know, however, it's been brought to life as of late, that there's other kinds of traumas that of trauma that people do really go through on a day to day basis that does qualify people's brain to activate and react in a certain way, like the trigger and then the symptoms and then what you do about it. So for sure, I mean, we cannot disregard anybody who says I've had trauma we can't just, we, we shouldn't even question it. It's like borderline, you know, a thing of respect. Oh, yeah. tell me more about it. Let's figure out what kind of trauma it is. Let's not focus so much on, you know, where does it fall under the big T or the small T? No, let's just focus on figuring out what it is and what can we do moving forward? That's what life coaching is. And to be oh, honest, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's one of the things that testifies to me that this is, that what I'm doing is on the right path is how much I see life coaching just parallel or at least comparable to the atonement of Christ is about what you choose to do today to change your future. Let's focus on that. You know, tomorrow is another day. 
So that's great. Good. I, that's great. I, I also want to just use this as an opportunity to encourage our listeners because um, it would be one thing, of course, for you or I to say to somebody that, that they haven't had trauma or not recognize it in them. But I think a lot of our listeners probably don't even recognize it in themselves. It just seems like a normal way to react to something. And, and I think we need to, to develop more self-awareness about, okay, when am I just reacting normally? And when am I in trauma? Uh, when, when has my trigger been, been hit? And so, I mean, and, and it can be something small, like let's suppose you had a, a marriage where your former spouse used retail therapy all the time uh, when they were feeling down and spent you into the poorhouse. Well, your, your spouse comes home with a gift for you that's, you know, 50 bucks or something. And you say, why didn't we discuss this? And like you mean a new spouse, like later. Your, your later spouse, or even if you've gotten through some issues with a former spouse, but or within uh, the, your same spouse. But, but either way, they come home with a gift from you that is more money than you're comfortable spending. And even if they're not a spendthrift, even if they're not anything like that other person in that regard, you could still be traumatized because it reminds you of traumatic experiences of having your lights and water shut off because you didn't pay the bill or, you know, it reminds you of all of these, these really difficult moments you had. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's just an example. But yeah, we I, I completely relate, but I'm sorry. What's interesting about what he just said is that I relate to it on the other end. So, right. So I'll be the one doing something and then watching my husband react. And then it's like, why is he reacting that way? And I have to take into account the fact that he was married for 19 years before, you know, he right. was married to me. So it's like, I, it, and that's where grace comes in. You mentioned it earlier and self-compassion and just communicating and understanding. Right. And in spouse yeah. compassion, because you are aware that these are triggers that have nothing to do with you, but that's you're right. sensitive to them and re respectful of them. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's what we're all dealing with here as humans. And um, I just wanted to mention also that as coaches, we're trained to refer people to trauma therapists if if there's something more that right. then um, life coaching can do. Although life coaching can do a lot, we can help them with the thought work. But yeah, sometimes they might need EMDR or some other trauma therapy right. if it's a serious thing. So let's move to week two. So we talked about the neuroscience of hope, where it is in our brain, and week two, you uh, do a future scale exercise uh, through the American Association of Psychology. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, so it's really just one of those, let's, um, if we have any young listeners, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, what Enneagram type are you? Or what's your personality trait? I don't know, the DISC profile or whatnot. And so this is a test from the American Psychology Association. They call it the HOPE scale, yet in the research they request researchers to, call it future scale, right? And so what it does is it basically divides hope into agency. I love that word, right? Into mm -hmm. agency. So agency is the will. You know that, that, that quote that says, where there's a will, there's a way. A way. Yeah. If you really want to do it, you're going to find a way to do it. We're, we're, we all agree on that, right? So it divides hope into the agency, the will that you have to do something, and then the pathways, 
what's available to you, what are the resources, what's holding you back, whether mentally or physically. You answer the questions and figure out the score according to their instructions, right? So I didn't make any of this up. And then you get a value for your agency and your pathways. So for example, when I'm doing this research and I do the test for myself, I find out that I have the best intentions. My agency number was higher, but I may not still be aware or I may not have, you know, the pathways, the resources, or I just need a little push so that I can look for resources, right? Um, and so on week two, what we do, so on week one, everyone is encouraged to pick a goal, pick a goal in your life that you want to focus on during the four week of the series. Because if we are taking the series as a group, that, then imagine what all of us can do hoping together for each other's goals to come up, right? And to manifest and for us to be blessed with them. And if we're doing the series one by one, then that's two people hoping for that goal and that's enough, right? So we pick the goal on week one and then on week two, we're like, okay, so you pick that goal. Let's think about whether you lean more towards the agency or the pathway of it all. And then you add those two numbers together and on a scale from one to a hundred, you get a hope score. And I say quote unquote, because who cares? Like the scale yeah. may tell me that I'm, yeah, like the scale, the scale may tell me that I'm a, I'm on a 42 in the hope scale, but I want to say that I'm at an 85, right? Cause you know, cause I'm hopeful and I'm looking for that positivity. You see where I'm going? <laughs> and you're the one that gets to say. That's right. And I'm the one that gets to say, and then, you know, we look for confirmation, revelation, uh, you know, testimony, and, and we hope that we're doing it right. And that we're just really just doing the best that we can. It takes, you know, all of us. So you talked about resources and one of those could be a supportive group around you. Uh, I think you, you kind of talked about that. What other resources are you talking about? Well, so think about me, for example, I'll use myself, right? Because I can only speak for myself. I don't want to speak for other people. Um, well, what resources? Okay, so I grew up on, in an island right. <laughs> where, where English was not the norm. Uh, even though we all learned English in school, lots of people, even myself, did not have cable. If you had cable, it was like, ooh, awesome. Um, you know, if you had a family that brought you to Disney World every single summer, that was cool. I, that wasn't my case, right? So uh, what resources did I have to learn English with my desire to learn English? Well, all I had was books that I didn't understand and movies. So those were the pathways that I used growing up. Now, fast forward 30 some years later, and I'm here and I'm about to graduate and get my certification in life coaching. And I have this hope idea ruminating in my brain. Well, how can I do it? What are the pathways? Okay, well, Google is one of the pathways. I need to do research. Uh, and so, of course, we can break Google into the other pathways. I need Wi-Fi. I need time on my computer, right? And you keep breaking it up. So pathways is really just what are the options that you have? How do they materialize? Um, what are the channels that you can that you can use to move forward? So, you know, me reaching out to you on an email so that we could have this conversation, that's a pathway. 
Right. right. Well, we're so glad you came on. Um, yeah. Do you have anything more you want to say about week two? Or did you? No. Well, they, so, so what you're talking about with resources is sort of creatively thinking about what you want to do or where you want to go, what kind of hope you want to build and what are the things available to me to help me move in that direction. Yes, you sound just like a life coach. Yes, that's <laughs> what we figure out, that's correct. Okay, awesome. Is there anything else you wanna say about week two? No, no, really, it just leads, it, it just leads, yeah, it just leads into week four because week four oh, is essentially- Well, I think we, it was oh, week yeah, two, week right? Three. right? So Sorry. week three yeah. is what you mean? That's right. It leads into week three. That's okay. right. Two, three comes after. Um, and it's that's when the conversation about what we do every day and how much it matters. That's when we have that conversation, right? Um, you know, you you want a testimony? Well, then bear your testimony, mm. right? You You gain a testimony by bearing your testimony, okay? And so outside of, of our gospel, people know about affirmations and people know that what you tell yourself matters. And so I'm very big as a coach on zero negative self-talk, right? So saying things like, oh, I hate my life or, or I, mm. you know, I'm not, I'm not good at this or I'm not good at that. No, let's, let's eliminate that type of dialogue, right? So that's where the habits come into play. And it's really all about a 31 day journal of affirmations and journal promptings. So every single day you get an affirmation and you get a journal prompting and they're all about hope. And they were all done by me, even though they all sound like what's out there. Like, you know, I'm special and I'm loved and I'm protected. Uh, but you know, some of them are very interesting. Like I choose to blank and blank during the waiting. Okay, what do you choose to do? Do you choose to complain and be anxious during the waiting, right? Or do you choose to learn and grow during the waiting? Do you choose to work and surf during the waiting? And so bringing all of those things into the surface, because you, you read the words and then you journal about them, that's how you start recreating pathways in your brain. And so you start paving over negative pathways that you may subconsciously or as a victim of your environment or even consciously have done in the past. Today, you are committed to repaving those pathways with positivity. And that's what the habits of hope is it's all about, right? Yeah, that's awesome. And tell, yeah. tell us, um, we've talked about this with you before, but I'd love for you to define the waiting. Mm. <laughs> the waiting, oh my gosh. We hate waiting, we all do. It's, it's a norm, you know, uh, in comes the industrial revolution and then technology and, you know, we no longer have to wait for a text message. It comes in, ding, like automatic, right? And so all of these advantages create a sense of immediacy that in some cases just doesn't apply and doesn't make sense. And to focus on how it doesn't apply and doesn't make sense, it's not good. <laughs> because what you do to yourself is just not enjoy the in-between. You're not 
learning what happens in the day to day. And so, you know, I, I feel guilty sometimes. It's like, oh, I can't wait for my toddler to be a little older so that there's less of a mess. And then the other side of that is I'm going to instantly regret it because I need to take, yeah, because I need to take his childhood one day at a time and his mess is his mess. And, you know, we just take it day by day. So let me, let me ask you something, uh, Graciela, on this subject, because I see kind of two sides to this coin. One is the person who says, I really want to be married but I hate dating. And it seems like a double-minded kind of, of way of thinking. Like, and I, I see that particular statement a lot among mid-singles that I've worked or otherwise associated with. Oh, I hate dating. I hate all the games. I hate, you know. And it seems like the more and more we say things like that to ourselves, the further and further the the what we really want seems to be away from us. It seems the barriers seem bigger. And, you know, maybe there's a different way to think about, about that. Um, yeah, what would you say to someone who is a mid-single, who doesn't like to date, but they would like to be married? What would you encourage them to do to create pathways towards that end? Right. So it's, I love that you brought this up, Jeff, because it takes us back to that whole negative self-talk thing, right? Right. So it's like, okay, well, first of all, as a coach, I don't give advice, right? It's, it's not allowed. Uh, we're here to just drill deep into why people say or do things. However, uh, because I'm on social media, well, that's where we give all the advice we want. So <laughs> right. what, what, what I would say is, if you are mid-single, if you want to get married, and if you want to change the situation that you brought up, Jeff, right? If you're really committed to doing that, well, why don't we start with no longer saying and articulating things like, I hate dating. Right. Let's, I mean, let's I, have a conversation. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I think I could say in response to my own thoughts about that, for example, if I was that person, um, I can make an effort to change the process, to bring more authenticity to dating, to have fewer games and more, more real interaction. That's so much more empowering. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It really just takes a conversation because, okay, so you're the, you're the person and it takes two, right. To have a relationship. It takes two right. to go on a good date. Right. Okay. Well then communicate, you know, you we're adults communicate with the person that you're dating and say, I'm not here to waste my time. Right. I am here intentionally because I know what I want. I've already defined it. I've already discussed it with my life coach. And so, um, right. And right. so if you, right. And if you are not on the same boat, then, then this is not going to be a good date for either of us. So, okay, that's, that's good. That's fine. Because, and really getting used to all of this positive psychology and the habits of hope is really about not being broken hearted when you have to deny someone because they're not on your level of hope or on your level of testimony or whatnot. You know, it, it really takes two. So if you already have that commitment in you that you want to go ahead and date intentionally, then let's the other person, let's 
let's let the other person know that you're dating intentionally and that they should too or I love or not. that and if they don't want to <laughs> maybe that's not your person exactly yeah that's exactly right or you know we have to assess each other's levels of hope and each other's levels of commitment and so maybe they're not ready yet but they really like you okay it just it takes two let's just communicate and be adults about it and be safe and be respectful and and just do it right and and it's possible yeah it just well, it took two years for our relationship to develop to marriage because of the issues you're talking about you know we were in different places at different times and had different levels of of comfort with you know getting serious and whatnot and people can read about that in our book but and well and the theme of our marriage and how we connected as a couple is intention so i love that you're saying that and then our book is called intentional courtship a mid-school's okay. guide to peace progress and pairing up in the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints that's the title it's coming out in a few weeks we're super excited to share it with everyone um, yay yeah and uh so yes intention is super important and i think those daily habits of hope that you're talking about is certainly setting an intention a daily one to create more hope in your in your brain and in your life mm -hmm. that's awesome yep. i love that week so, i that, that makes you. me happy to talk about yeah for sure <laughs> to if I could ask you a question about the other side of that coin that I sometimes see, it's the, the person, usually it's a single mom, but I've seen single dads with the same uh, thought process. Uh, they would like to be married and happily settled with someone, but there's something fearful about that for them as well. And they think, well, I'm just at a stage of life where I'm only gonna focus on my kids and I'm not gonna date and I'll worry about that later when my kids are gone. Now, of course, that may be a value judgment and if they're, if that, if they're truly good with that, uh, then I don't, you know, like, like you said, I'm not there to tell them what they want. Uh, but I, I do sense with a lot of them that it is, an excuse to cover fears um, because we had one come up recently on a um, on social media as well where there was a question about well i live a long way from any members of the church and i uh, you know right now i'm just going to focus on my kids and and not worry about dating and we brought up the idea that well that's fine if that's what you want to do but there's a lot of options for long distance dating now. You could pray for the opportunity for yourself to move somewhere that's more conducive to creating a relationship or to have someone move into your area that you might be able to, you know, and of course you leave a lot to God that way and you're being patient like, like you've talked about. But I, I guess my question then is, if there is a desire for a relationship or some other really important thing to you, but there's a certain amount of apathy growing out of fear. How do you recommend confronting that? So the person has some hope that it's really not as impossible as they think. I mean, it's fear, fear is fear, no matter what scenario we, we put it in, right? And 
I mean, fear is the opposite of faith, right? So it's it's such a touchy subject because it really depends on every single individual person and their whole life, correct? And so it's what you're describing feels more like how I would approach it. So are you asking me as a life coach or are you asking me, you know, just, you know, as a sister in our church, right? Because, because if it's a friend that's going through this, I would probably give a lot of advice, right? I mean, do, do you really want to be alone until they, I would probably bring all the numbers exactly how many years between now and then, how many years between now and then when they graduate and leave and then you start dating? What about the in-between? Because as a friend, if this person comes to me and says, this is, I'm, I'm feeling very strongly about waiting, then what can I say? Right. Really? Right now, if as a life really coach, what they want, then what can you say? Right. You know, right. Well, as a life coach, it's like, okay, you're telling me that you want to wait, but at the same time, in other conversations, you're telling me that you really want a relationship, right? Which one, which one is it? And so, as a life coach, you really f figure out what the fear is really about. So, for example, I recently figured out very recently, I'm talking about maybe three weeks ago, realized that I'm not afraid of failure. So fear of failure is not it for me. What I'm afraid of is this or this or this or that, right? Um, and so this person is afraid, okay, well, then let's have a conversation and talk about what really is behind that fear. And what's the worst that could happen? That's one of the techniques that we learn. Let's go, well, then what's the worst that could happen after that? oh, well, I could be sad for a few months because I'm heartbroken. Okay, what's the worst that could happen after that? Blah, 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 right? And, and that's what the, the types of hope actually, which is something that we forgot about that I discussed on the first week of the series, the types of hope and how they lead up to the perfect brightness of hope, that mature hope that says no matter what happens, so the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, no matter what happens, I am okay, I'm safe, I'm loved, you know, my, my children are okay, my job is okay, I have food in the fridge, and I have a heavenly father that loves me. And so, you know, that's really what the series is about. It's about figuring out all the roadblocks that lead us to just be okay, no matter what happens. Right, I mean, I think there is a sense there in which we wanna have peace in our hearts even if our situation is not what we might have envisioned or might have wanted. And at the same time, I, I, I think you can go so far with that as to say, well, if God drops it in my lap, I won't say no, but other than that, I'm not going to put forth any effort. Right. And, and that might work for a select few people. I mean, miracles do happen. Um, but I just, I want to mention really quick in this podcast, because this, this, this came up this morning when I was at our, our ward garden, it's ginormous, and they have planted all sorts of veg, yummy vegetables, and, um, and I was just noticing how when I went to pick tomatoes, for instance, I had to kind of dig under all the green leaves, and they were kind of hiding, right, and then potatoes and celery, you, you have to actually dig them up from the ground. And I think that's how most of us have to find our partner, <laughs> digging and looking and finding that diamond in the rough, you know, that perfect person for us 
not the perfect person, but perfect for us. And, um, and yet there was this eggplant, this nice shiny purple eggplant hanging there, just ready for me to just, you know, and sometimes that happens in, in people's lives, but we each have our own path. And so this is where I think personal revelation can be really helpful because I mean, who's to say that a person who's waiting doesn't know for sure that, you know, or have that faith and belief or intuition, like you did about the talk that, you know, their, their partner is going to come to them you know, in due time. Um, but I do think more often than not, including in the garden, we have to search and work for our vegetables or our yeah. partners. I think there is a difference between, well, if God drops it in my lap, I won't say no and ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. That's not God dropping it in my lap. That is me seeking and God responding. And it took us several years to find each other in our middle years. It, well, I'm not and that was with a lot of effort too, right? Yeah, I'm not suggesting it wasn't, you know, sometimes discouraging or whatever. But, but I think there is a difference in that sort of enthusiastic pursuit of something we hope for and the sort of hands in the air, well, if God drops it in my lap, okay. Yeah, I mean... When things, I just, it really just depends on, on, on how people think and how they name things, right? So right. I personally don't like to think that God throws anything, right? <laughs> he, gen he gently places it in place and, and then it's up to you. Right. to either take it, receive it, uh, whatnot. And that's really what the whole negative self-talk again, because when you say things that are negative, you close off, you, you get blocked. And when you're not open, you don't receive, you don't, you know, you don't interact, you don't connect as well as you should. Right. And I love so your policy of no negative self-talk in your coaching. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I struggle with it myself. We all do. And, right. and it's like, it's, it's one of the things that just leads to the confidence to do things and to take risks and to put yourself out there and to, you know, not be afraid to fail or not be afraid to lose things or to be broken down because your conviction is so rooted on what you believe in and what you do. And right. so well, like work, but the byproduct like will work would be like the idea is that, okay, it doesn't work until it does. And so if it, this didn't work, it's okay. It will, it will work in the future. That would yeah. be a hopeful thought. That's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, let's talk about week four real quick. Um, you said that the AAP, uh, teaches that the gratitude is the optimal mindset for a hopeful person. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so uh, it was just on my research. So again, we go back to the American Association of Psychology. And what I understand, it's, it's interesting because, and, and I guess this is just another witness and another testimony of how, you know, I was just led to talk about this because growing up, Oh, she's so, she's so thankful. She says, thank you all the time. And this is my mom describing me. So, you know, and pointing out the fact that I was just always very grateful and very thankful 
to people and for things and apparently. And so um, when I read, so, you know, I get, I get led to talk about hope. I'm doing my research. I'm taking my notes. I'm thinking about the language of life coaching and then the gospel and figuring out what this is going to be. I'm like, okay, what's going to, what's the goal? Like, what is, what is, what's the peak? That's the word. Sorry. What's the word? What's the peak that hope reaches in the language of psychology? And there it was gratitude. And I'm like, oh, that makes complete sense, you know, to me, because it's, it just fell into place. So um, according to the Association of Psychology, someone who reaches that level of mature hope, someone who really understands hope as a concept can be grateful no matter what the experience is. And that's just, I mean, something that I want to aspire to. I want to be able to come what may, you know, whatever life throws my way, right? Uh, I'll be grateful for the outcome because if it's not a gift, it's a lesson. And I say it like that because everything is a gift. Even the lesson is the gift, right? So, um, and, and again, we, we struggle with this daily. And that's why making it a habit is so important. You know, you, you're working for the hope now so that when tragedy strikes, when trauma hits, right? Gosh forbid you have an accident later on, a huge car accident that just brings a lot of trial to your life. You're working today for when that happens. Gosh forbid, right? Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen. But if it does, you paved the way to a perfect brightness of hope. Oh, I love it just, that. <laughs> yeah. Spirit. I know it's so inspired. It's like all credit to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. And the, I think that creates spiritual reserves too. Um, and I know I, I was going to the temple a lot and I hadn't discovered life coaching practices yet, but I had discovered other things that were helpful in mind, you know, and aware mindfulness and awareness. And, um, then I had a, like a three-year health crisis and I went from being able to fill the spirit very readily to being spiritually like numb because of these medical issues that really got in the way. And I think it's why Jesus healed people first and then taught them the gospel, because sometimes our bodies get in the way of being able to fill the spirit. And it, I really kind of hold on to hope based on spiritual experiences. I knew I'd had knew I could have again, if I could receive healing. Right. And so, um, I think spiritual reserves is part of that perfect brightness of hope that you can maintain or at least hold on to when that when those trials hit that you don't know are coming or when or how mm -hmm. yes that's beautiful and I'm so I'm so grateful for you that you're already past all of that and that you're able to just focus on you know better and brighter things and just creating a difference with your book and the work that you're doing yeah, that's wonderful too. it's so great to have myself back again you know, Graciela, on, on that point that Kathy just made about it's nice to have myself back again, um, I, uh, you know, I had an experience. I mean, I went through depression for several years after my divorce and <clears throat> not knowing the things I know today that could have helped that. Uh, 
process be shorter. Yeah, if we'd had but, our book when we were going <laughs> through it, we would have done better. <laughs> but having said that, uh, you know, I I remember I, I was I had had a moderately successful business that kind of went through the the floor when I was focused on other things, and um, as I remember going through several years of real poverty, I mean, financially ruined. And I remember getting a career opportunity that I accepted and I moved to Texas for three years. And it wasn't a career I really wanted. I didn't really care that much about it, but it did allow me to have consistent income for a while. And I remember just feeling so grateful that every day I could get up, I could work, I could bring in money, I could meet my needs. I, I mean, it was like I had a whole new lease on life. I, I bought a car and it was not a, not a new car, it was a used car, but, but I loved it. And it was reliable and it got me where I wanted to go and it was fun to drive. And I mean, the things we take for granted oftentimes, I remember just feeling like, wow, I'm alive again. I'm a, I'm a person again, you know, I'm not sitting on the sidelines watching everyone else live and wishing I could do that. And I mean, that was just at that point, getting to a pretty average kind of life, but there was a real sense of gratitude. And I came to believe that we can really only enjoy anything we have in our lives to the extent that we appreciate it that we understand the blessed blessedness of it. That's right. Yeah. And that's so beautiful too. And thank you for sharing that. And it's like, I like my hope for my clients and for my kids and for really everyone is for each individual to reach a point where they can look at their past and whatever turmoils, whatever trauma, whatever drama you know, whatever heartbreak and just be grateful for it because it brought you to this day. It taught you this and this and that. And so again, let's move forward. It's all about what we choose to do today so that tomorrow we can have a better day. I mean, think about it. Oh, I have a headache. I'm dehydrated. Well, did you drink water yesterday? Oh no, you didn't drink water yesterday. So today you feel the way you do. And so it's like that with everything. It really, really is. Everything's a little bit delayed, but yes, we do have the power to create our days. And I, I always say that it's our number one job every day to be in a place of feeling good because when we are, everything that we do elevates those around us and ourselves. I think one of the hard things about what you're, you're saying is for, for a lot of people is, um, and I've used this analogy recently that driving a boat is different from driving a car. Uh, you turn a car and it turns immediately. You turn a boat and you can count to three or something, you know, and then finally you see it start to drift that direction. Um, and I think life is more like driving a boat than driving a car. And so I may change my thinking about something today and, and make a real mental shift. How long does it take for that to show up in my life? You know, well, a person that, for example, has been couch surfing and laying around in their underwear all day instead of going and looking for a job, they may get up one day and start looking for a job and dress and shave and all the things they need to do to get ready to, to go out and look for work. 
get online and find opportunities and whatever, but they may not have a job the first day. It may take several months, but ultimately that step of deciding, okay, this is what I want to do. Uh, and then that's when it. things really changed. It didn't really change when they got the job or got the new client or whatever it, it, it happened in advance when that spiritual creation was made, when they made a decision, I'm going to go in this direction. Yes, that's right. And if somebody is listening that wants to get a job and doesn't have one, then let's go out, take the hope series and then hopefully get a job by day like 31. Right. <laughs> you know, you start, you start the hope series and on week one, you say your goal is to get a job by the end of the series, then we're gonna look at all the pathways and all of the rest of it. And, you know, hopefully you get a job at the end of it. Yeah, definitely. Well, and we're big believers that you, you work on yourself and good things happen in your life. It might be more like steering a boat, which takes more time to turn than a car. Like you said, they're not always immediate because uh, we're used to having things just show up, but in the waiting, we develop ourselves. And, mm -hmm. um, and then we continue developing, uh, you know, once we, we meet our goal or, uh, we've accomplished something really big. Um, so I, I really quickly just wanted to bring up something that we mentioned in a previous discussion. Um, it's one of my, our last questions. Um, you mentioned uh, that specific questions have broad answers. Can you tell us more about that? Because we thought it was really insightful when we talked about that with you. Oh, specific questions have brought specific answers. Uh, I think specific I questions have broad answers. I think, is that, is, do you remember saying that? I, I don't, but I, um, I mean, okay. I feel like you're bringing something up that, that I was thinking about, but I didn't bring up last time. And let me tell you what it was. Okay. Listen to this. Ever since we had that conversation in preparation for this, I have been pondering my patriarchal blessing, which I didn't bring up last time. But what you are describing you right now, right? Yes, I did. Uh, I don't remember exactly when, but yes, I mean, I got baptized in November and then sometime after the new year. Okay. Um, and, and I've pondered it many, many times. And so what you just said brings me back to it because it's like, and, and really it just brings me back to life coaching and, and everything that we have discussed, you know, specific questions bring about specific answers. So earlier you mentioned um, self-awareness and self-regulation. And you also mentioned that we start by working on ourselves and then, and then transcending into, you know, communicating and relationships and so on and so forth. When you, are really curious and you look at things and you start calling them for what they are and questioning things, you know, deeper and deeper and deeper, you really do get to the specifics. And I have a strong testimony of that because everything that I have done up to this point has been me asking a specific question. Well, what do I do now? How do I feel about this? So I don't feel very positive about this. Okay. Well then let me look into it question, I mean, doubt your doubts, you have to doubt everything, you question everything to get to the bottom of it, and to really be ascertained of the answer, and know, you know, have that strong, uh, at least intention, and then, of course, 
pray about it, ponder it just to receive the confirmation, right? Um, because we are spiritual beings having this human experience. And so again, uh, pondering what the spirit wants and, and what we are meant to do and how we're meant to do it is really important. My gosh, did I answer your question? Yeah, no, I love the, what you shared. So I'm glad I asked it and I'm glad that you shared what you did. Um, and I actually am getting to our last question. Well, I do have up. a follow-up to that before we get Let's to the that. last question. Because, and I, I wish kind of we had gone, gone here more, but you said a, mi a minute ago that everything you've experienced up to now is what's brought you to this point. And so we've talked a lot about how, you know, you've studied, went to life coach school um, and gave a talk where you, where you studied certain things out. But I would like <clears throat> to know, <clears throat> excuse me, for the benefit of our audience, what are those experiences that brought you to this point that taught you to believe in hope in, you know, changing your neurological pathways through thought work, whatever, um, what has brought, what are the things that have brought you to this point and, and helped you to believe in, in what you do? Yeah, that's a great question. And Kathy, I do remember what we were talking about. So I'll, I'll come back to that, but so it's really, um, you know, like I said earlier, I grew up in Puerto Rico, didn't move to the States until I was 27, but always wanted to move. I always knew I was going to, I don't know how, I mean, now I know, right? Now I know it was just my destiny, my path, my plan of happiness, right? Uh, or how that applies to myself. But I didn't know back then. Back then, all I knew is that Puerto Rico doesn't feel like home because it's not. I just, I always knew it for some reason. And so moving here was a big deal, yet it didn't happen until I was 27. Uh, you know, I dated and met lots of people and lost hope and, you know, thought about staying single and had all of those, you know, scenarios run through my head, just like everyone else. And then I don't meet my husband until I'm 30. And then we don't get married until I'm 35. So it's like, what I mean by saying everything I've been through has brought me to this point is because I have experienced uh, waiting and, you know, plans getting messed up and intentions being, uh, you know, just broken up because there's not enough pathways or not good enough pathways. Um, and so now that I'm able to just put two and two together and realize that it's all hope, and, you know, now have, I started Instagram years and years ago, but I never really felt like I had a purpose for it until now. And so now it's like, yes, life coaching, let's help people, let's change the world. You know, I feel like I'm somehow bringing people closer to my gospel by just sharing this in a language that they can understand, right? Um, and, and so I feel that every test is part of it and every trial is part of it. And, um, you know, it all goes together, the mindfulness of it, the, the confidence of it and the hope, they all go together. Right. Ooh, and then Kathy, do you want me to touch back on that question? Yes, so now, now I remember, yes. It had to do with uh, women who struggle with infertility, right? 
and, and how hope applies or the lack thereof, right? And so what happens with a question that is so specific to that, to a person who is struggling with something is, it's a specific question, but the answer is a general one because it really just comes down to the mindfulness again and the habits and how no matter what your struggle is, hope applies. And what you do to get to that perfect brightness of hope can also apply. So let's just focus on the day-to-day, the step-by-step and do it together because borrowed hope is huge. It's like, you know, I'm here just filling my cup of hope so that I can lend it out to my clients when they need it most. Because I have hope in Christ and I have that advantage, but my client may not have that advantage. So it's like, here's all my hope for you. Just take it. Oh, that's wonderful. That's such a great way to wrap up this, uh, this conversation, which I know we could go for hours and we just love it. I know. I know. Thank you so much. I love it. And I could talk about hope all day. It's like so awesome. Maybe you could just, um, did you have a question? No, I just wanted to say that I learned today that the name Graciela means uh, a gift or favor. And so I, I think you were a gift and a favor to our, our listeners today and, and as a new friend of us as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you so much. Just really giving me an opportunity to discuss, right? Um, that's where like looking at it from all angles is how you figure out what, what I said earlier about how you put names to things, right? So okay, I just graduated and I launched this business. What is my measure of success? How do I define whether I have failed or succeeded? Okay, well, let me tell you. I have already succeeded because I was called to talk about hope. I wasn't called to, you know, be a millionaire. Oh, I want to be a millionaire. No, right? I was called to talk about hope. And so I'm already successful in that sense because here we are what a blessing to be able to just spend, you know, this amount of time or however long it takes discussing this, this is a privilege and we're so blessed by it. Yeah, we are. Thank you so much. And maybe you could just leave us quickly with your testimony of hope, your, that solid testimony that you have. Yeah. I mean, I just, I have a solid testimony. One, that there is a plan of happiness for each of us. So hold on to that. I have a solid testimony that, you know, what is in my patriarchal blessing is true because it just is. (laughs) I'm living it every single day. And, you know, just a solid testimony after I grew up Catholic, uh, have friends in all sorts of religions and and, and paths of uh, thought. And after experiencing all of it, I just, I know that this is the church of Christ and that this is the most amazing gospel ever. And so really that's, that's just my testimony. I, I sustain anybody that I need to sustain in the sense that, you know, I love our prophet. He's the sweetest. And I love that he's a man of science and it's just, you know, little by little, my testimony just grows stronger. And I, I encourage everyone to just figure out what it takes to just live a better, brighter life. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So um, we were blessed to have 
Graciela Moore on our pod, on our podcast today. It's going to be LilyPod uh, episode number 31, um, and it will come out next week. And uh, we are Jeff and Kathy Teichert with Love in Later Years, and uh, also known as Lily. And remember that any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.